Hello and welcome back to the podcast. Today we're going to be talking about eviction. That's the topic for today. And of course, forgot to introduce myself. My apologies. My name is David Alvarado. So, to start off the podcast today, I want to start off with an article I read a bit earlier. It was actually another podcast from NPR. This podcast talked about Terrell Walker. She's a mother of two kids who lives in Washington, D.C. And the story starts with her um, meeting the person from NPR, interviewing her. She starts by talking about that her apartment is run down and she kind of goes in depth about how it's so run down, there's a breeze coming in through the windows, and there's all these problems with it. So one day, she goes to court because her landlord was actually trying to sue her for not paying rent. And the reason she wasn't paying rent was because she was refusing to because the landlord wouldn't fix the all the problems with that with the apartment and so after this they go to court and on the day of the court case the landlord's witness doesn't show up so they had to reschedule and of course Terrell Walker was angered by this because she had to call into her job and explain that she had to she's going to have to call off another day on top of this day. And it's just kind of, this story just kind of shows this example of this cycle that between landlord and tenant of the landlord wants the money from the tenant to pay for the building and pay for all these renovations, but the uh, tenant refuses to pay it just because the it's the, the landlords haven't fixed it even after times trying to complaining about it. So getting into this, um, I read a book called Evicted by Matthew Desmond, and it's a very good book. It won a bunch of awards, including the Pulitzer Prize. It was awarded one of the 10 best books by the New York Times Book Review in 2016. And a bunch of other awards awards that I won't get into. So this book touches on the stories of eight families whom Desmond met throughout his life. And... In all these stories, it kind of shows examples of different ways of eviction happening or eviction about to happen, all these things. One of my favorite stories, when I say favorite, that's kind of of odd to say just because it's talking about such a serious topic, but... My the most interesting story to for me was the story of Arlene in the book because throughout the book 
she's struggling to find a place and if I remember correctly even at one point is offered a place and then some and the person selling it to her just says like there's a couple problems with it and she's like I don't care I just need a place to live and that's pretty interesting to me just because people are so not desperate but I feel like that's the only word I can use here they just need a house so bad because Desmond also talks about this in the epilogue of his book and about the project in the end section of his book but he kind of explains that it's a sort of or sorry the house is a sort of part of your identity it gives you a place to rest it gives you a place to work a home embodies you and without a house to call your own it's really detrimental to someone's personal personal identity and their mental health and this kind of just affects pretty much everything about a person addiction is such a hard thing to deal with because once you're evicted, here's another cycle. Once you're evicted, it it starts it starts a cycle of first you get evicted from your house, and then you're probably gonna lose your job just because you're trying to find all these things and all the stuff you're trying to do. So if you lose both your house and your job it starts a cycle where you can't get a job without a place of residence like a house or an apartment but you can't have some sort of shelter like a house without a job to pay for it so it just it starts a cycle of no job no house but no house no job and I remember I used to think this when I was a bit younger. I was like, oh, homeless people can, like, just get a job as I've grown up. Like, of course, I'm still not all the way there. But I've still, I still know enough to the point where I don't think there are many places around the world that are going to, you know, show show you or kind of give you a job uh if you're homeless just because like who's gonna hire a homeless person you know and of course that kind of pains me to say it but i feel like that's kind of true if take in mind if you owned a business right you want your business to prosper as much as possible and of course I'm thinking about this in more like a practical view instead of a maybe philanthropist way or or some other kind of view thinking about this in sort of a like purely numbers all that 
So if you have a business, you're going to want it to prosper. And if, if your business is right about to start and a homeless person walks in, he's probably going to be, you know, kind of dirty, unshaven. And that's like, that kind of gives you a bad impression. If you want to hire a homeless person, you're going to kind of need to build your business almost around that or have a section dedicated to hiring homeless people because, you know, like something like a McDonald's, you can't, you can't just hire a homeless person like as a chef or as a um, cashier because that kind of gives like a, like a kind of a stigma almost around your place and it's it's just this harsh harsh reality um that's uh that seems to never be ending but i feel leading from this you know there's there's just this question it seems seems so easy you know if both homelessness and poverty are both these problems along with eviction if you had a choice to end one or the other first which one would give you the best results you know what i mean so on one hand you end eviction people stay in their houses people prosper and all this can lead into you know all these other things so maybe if people stop being evicted first of course they're going to stay in their houses but there's going to be less people on the streets and less you know less of a need to end poverty and that's kind of a weird way to put it i get that but on the other hand if you end poverty that kind of encompasses more because of course poverty doesn't just come from eviction there are people all around the world impoverished and all these things so maybe if you ended let's say you ended eviction or sorry poverty that strictly came out of eviction that's like of course i don't know an exact number but i would think that's like 10 percent maybe of just people um that now have houses but without that there's still 90 percent of the world not world but the world population of impoverished people still um in this sort of bad state of life so it's just it's kind of a and i've said this word a couple times it's just a bad cycle vicious cycle so 
Matthew Desmond actually has a solution or a sort of solution to kind of fix and, you know, lower all these eviction rates numbers. Um, and his solution is to expand a thing called the Housing Voucher Program. What this is, is I think we all know food stamps. It kind of works the way, kind of works in the same way as food stamps. You pay your landlord with money you get from the government to kind of, um, it's just pretty much like a food stamp. It just pays for your next rent deadline or anything like that. But with this, I actually think this has maybe one problem. I feel like why should people even have to, you know, if they're in this bad place, why should they be forced to pay this rent? when they're in a bad space. And, I mean, the answer for that is the landlords. It always comes back to the landlords. They need their pay, and they need the money to pay the building. They need the money to pay the renovation, you know. So I guess that's the answer to my question or my problem with that. But Matthew Desmond goes into that and not into that specifically but brings up Great Britain and they have a thing called the housing benefit. It's pretty much I think exactly similar to our housing voucher program except the government sends the money directly to the landlord instead of having the tenant as sort of like a third party or a third man, just something to get through. So with that, I think that's pretty smart, honestly, with Britain. It kind of just cuts out anything that, any problems that could happen with just sending it through an extra party, even if it doesn't matter who the party is, you know. Even if it's someone struggling, like a tenant, it just eliminates all the problems and make sure that the landlord, at the end of the day, gets his pay, which is what he's there for. Um, kind of going with that, I actually listened to another podcast, and this podcast talked about the extension of an of a eviction moratorium. Basically, it it basically stopped the evictions to be allowed to happen. And this was earlier this year, back in August of 2021. And the reason the eviction moratorium was um, extended was because the CDC, the Central for Disease Control, 
um, asked the government to extend it because COVID was still a really big threat. So, of course, the CDC wanted to keep it contained a bit more. So, they asked the government to extend it to keep people off the streets and therefore slowing the spread of COVID-19. And Congress agreed and gave out $45 billion in rent assistance to keep people off the streets. And um, this situation, of course, was pretty special because not all the time is there a big, you know, epidemic going around the world. So this case of the CDC pretty much begging the Congress to extend a deadline, it's pretty special. So it kind of just shows another example of evictions can stop, but they're not just because Congress isn't, you know, Congress is kind of just being like that. They're they're going through a sort of, I guess, bureaucracy of having to get through all these, you know, obstacles and people to get through to just get anything done, just having to chug through. So I think, putting my own ideas here, I think, of course, it is a very hard problem to solve. Homelessness, eviction. But I think if we do solve it, it's going to make quite a bit of things better. Just because, um, of course, have, being in poverty and being evicted has a connection to, you know, drug abuse or substance abuse. And if we kept people in their homes, kept people off the streets, you know, they wouldn't be exposed to these, you know, really tough environments whom where they will probably eventually be exposed and maybe, you know, get hooked on these substances which will probably more than likely almost certainly (laughs) um worse their situation is going to get worse because once they're addicted it's really hard to get off pretty much anything takes a lot of support to really help yourself get out of that rut but without you know, there's pro- there's a pretty likely chance that if you're in a situation of, 
you know, being pushed out or um, outside of a house, you're going to feel disconnected from society, bringing back to the point of, you know, it's a, the house is your identity. It holds a big part of who you are. So if you're on the streets, you're just going to feel left out a lot. And it's just, I guess this is a small, um, you know, small thing I got going through here. But it's a, it's a tough cycle, which I think a lot of, um, a lot of eviction and homelessness is. It's just a tough cycle that's really, really hard to get out of. And of course. I think everyone should ask this question when listening to someone talk on a subject. Who Who's the person talking? And, you know, do they have the right to fully, you know, be on this topic? And for me, I personally don't really think I do. I was pretty, you know, pretty lucky, I guess, to be born into, I guess, a well-off family. And of course, I'm not, it's not like Jeff Bezos rich, but I'm not on the streets. And I'm, I'm so thankful for that, of course. There's not really a day I go by without really thinking about it. And just being thankful, not in a situation. So when I think about myself and think about this, you know, podcast I'm doing right now, it kind of puts me in a weird situation because there's nothing I can really talk about that comes or that holds anything really because everything I'm saying is just some random middle-class 16-year-old talking about this serious topic that I don't, I don't think I'll ever really fully grasp just because I didn't grow up with in that. Um, but on the Matthew Desmond, the person who wrote Evicted, who I've talked about in this podcast... He actually did grow up with these experiences. And I think it really comes across in his book, Evicted. Because it th- throughout reading this book, I feel like it gives a lot of, you know, in-depth, kind of in-depth, um, in-depth looks into this that I don't know how many people who didn't fully grow up with this or all these things, I don't think it would really hit the same way, say, if, you know, like, someone like I wrote it. And, of course, beyond growing up um, in different conditions, there's... Of course, many other things different between me and Matthew Desmond. I'm not saying we're the same 
except for the fact that we grew up in poverty. No, of course not. Um, but in reading his book, and he talks about this at the end, all the stories he actually grew up with, he, he moved into a trailer park. He moved into Tobin's trailer park after, you know, after reading that a bunch of people were going to be evicted. He specifically moved in there. So it it just kind of, it just shows a different look. I don't think a lot of other people would be able to grab and fully encapsulate into words on pages. He, he meets, you know, all the people in this book, Arlene, Pam and Ned, all these stories, all the eight stories in the distance come from his, you know, personal experience. And just reading the book, I feel like you get a really good grasp that, yeah, no, this is, you know, this is something not, this is something not easily replicated. Um, kind of moving on from that, I kind of want to touch on one last thing here. I feel like this has kind of been a big question throughout my reading of Evicted. Who has the bigger rights? The tenant or the landlord? You know, who's more who's more in the right to to say that they they're the upper or they're the hero in this story? Is it the landlord who is in the business to get the money, pay the rent, pay pay their own rent, of course, and pay for the building um, that everyone lives in? Or is it the tenant who is their only purpose is to have enough money at the end of the month to pay the rent to the landlord. And I don't think there's a very clear answer to this because both parties know what they're going to get into when they sign up, sign the contract. The, the landlord's been in this a million times. He, he knows that people are people and he knows he knows what business he's gotten into and of course the tenant knows the the risks they're going to take I think every tenant knows that they do have to worry about eviction no matter no matter who they are really Everyone has to pay the rent or they're going to get evicted. There's no changing that. So there's really no, there's really no like 
it's not this situation isn't black and white it's um it's much more cloudy there's a big gray area and I don't think there's a very clear answer because the landlords is just trying to make money and they'll do that any way they can really one of the examples was in the book Pam and Ned tried to get into a lot of homes or they applied for many spots but when they heard when the landlords heard that they had four kids they really weren't wanting to take them anymore just because you know one of the examples was that the building was trying to be kept to adults only and children are another pretty good topic because our children you know a good enough reason to say if someone should be allowed in a home or not because children they really can't do anything for themselves legally they're not allowed to i don't think they physically can just because they really haven't been you know all that developed that much um so it's children are a special case um so they're also a big expense you know they of course can't pay their own bills as i said so they're they depend fully on the parents or the guardians to really provide everything and push them onward to a point where they are allowed to be on on their own so i feel like this is a 50 50 for me on one hand i do understand the argument of you know children are loud they're an expense so I can definitely see a landlord, you know, being a bit more wary and being a little more abstained to the idea of are these should these people be allowed in? Can I trust these new tenants to pay the bills on time? That's another thing they're getting into. Landlords and tenants are, when they sign in, there are a, they're getting themselves into a pact. They have to trust each other to provide because they each provide different things. Landlord provides the building. They provide the renovations for the building. In return, the uh, tenant has a responsibility of paying the rent. So, it's this kind of big question, should children be allowed? Or, not that, should children, you know, be a good enough reason to deny someone? And, 
I think for really the final thing, I know I said that once before, but I think for again, I think it should be kind of like a call to action, maybe, or something, you know, something of the sort like that. I think people should get a bit more invested because, you know, like me, I really didn't know too much or, you know, really, really cared that much about fiction or, or, or poverty before reading Evicted. This book kind of opened my eyes to this, reading through it, and I feel like if more people did the same, you know, read this book or just got exposed to it a bit more, that I feel like it could be, I feel like it could do a lot because not only would it help to end evictions, but it would also help to um, end a bit of poverty too, lower the poverty numbers. And I think we can cut evictions down a lot if we followed Matthew Desmond's plan of, you know, extending that housing voucher and, you know, doing all that. So I think that's where I'm going to end off the podcast for today. You know, I think... I think we touched on a lot of good points here and saying that kind of sounds like I'm tuning my own horn, I guess, but, yeah, I will see you next episode.